Many consumers have begun to diversify their sources of protein by introducing more plant-based food products. From plant-based burgers to flexitarian lifestyles, we've seen a whole new category of food products enter the market. Jared Golden, co-founder of Entomo Farms, has some new suggestions for your protein lineup, but they are not for the squeamish. As the global leader in the cultivation of insect protein, Entomo Farms has a variety of cricket and mealworm products that are sure to satisfy. My name is Molly Gallant, and this is Food Focus, the podcast. In this episode, we sit down with Jared Golden to learn more about how a cricket farm works and about the health and environmental benefits of consuming insect protein. Well, Jared, thanks for taking the time to come uh, speak to us on Food Focus. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. Well, Jared, uh, I'm interested in talking to you about, about insect proteins, but before we get, tell me a little bit about Entomo, what you are and who you are, uh, to give us some context. So Entomo Farms is a company that was founded by myself and my two brothers, Darren and Ryan. And a few years ago, we had a really wonderful person named Kelly Hagen join our team. So I'd say it's the four of us that have been working pretty hard over the last couple of years to establish a foothold really in the um, healthy food segment and sustainable healthy food segment, um, primarily protein, but not exclusively. And um, we farm edible insects in order to get us there. Okay. So uh, you said you tweaked my interest. I would have thought insects were primarily a source of protein. And you said protein is important, but not exclusively protein. What other nutritional benefits do you get from, from protein? So I think the important part to remember is most North Americans, most people we know are not protein deficient. Um, maybe we can argue that the protein isn't as sustainable as it could be, or it's not raised in the most ethical ways, or there may be just some challenges with the way in which we get our primarily meat proteins from a kind of sustainability point of view and others. And then from the vegetable or plant proteins, there may be some issues around fertilization and, and things of that nature. But as far as insects go, they are 60% protein by volume, approximately, but they're very high in other very important, healthy, clinically beneficial macronutrients, micronutrients, and especially prebiotic fiber. So we know you know, we're learning a lot in terms of health and probiotics and the gut biome and our gut's relationship to heart disease and even diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. So most North Americans are fiber deficient. And recent studies show that the prebiotic fiber in insects like crickets is very good at growing healthy probiotics, especially probiotics that are related to effectively diminishing atherosclerosis or heart disease. And then, for example, we know it's very, very high in B12 and bioavailable iron. And a recent study out of Italy showed that it's higher than oranges with certain antioxidants. So you really are talking about a, a full, functional, healthy, unprocessed food that can offer you a wide variety of, of health benefit from the protein to bioavailable magnesium, manganese, copper, zinc, iron. A full spectrum of amino acids, you know, twice as high as red meat, um, pound for pound. So it's really just a nutritional powerhouse that can be grown in a very ecological way. Wow. So there is a lot more to it in terms of, of the nutrition. 
Who are your customers? Who is eating crickets, which is, I think, the primary insect that you're producing? Who are eating crickets? Yeah, it is crickets, and we do do some mealworms. But yeah, great question. You know, they say the fastest growing food consumer, the mnemonic is the LOHAS consumer, and it stands for Lifestyles of Health and Sustainability. So you can't really pin that demographic on any certain age group or region of the world where someone comes from. People that are appreciating more and more by what they read and what they see, that there's a relationship between the food they eat and their long-term health and wellness. And moreover, recently they're learning about the relationship between the food they eat and the um, impact it may have on the planet or, or certain communities around the planet. So we have a segment that's growing rapidly and 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 has a great appetite excuse the pun yeah <laughs> for foods that uh healthy and sustainable and and obviously our food ticks those two boxes and if i may be so bold i would add that it also ticks the box of animal welfare because these crickets are raised in an environment where we have to create an environment for them to thrive yield is a big issue for us like other farming you know like if you're farming tomatoes or cannabis, for example, you need the conditions to be ideal because if you can increase your yields in a certain amount of space, then then you can maybe be have a profitable business. So these animals are raised in really ideal conditions and they're harvested really days before they would die anyway. They only live about six weeks and we harvest them just before they die. And we can put them to sleep slowly using ice or dry ice or freezing. Um, or CO2 gas where there's almost no measurable stress response. So if somebody's interested to come full circle back to your question, if you're interested in your health, you want to love a long, fruitful life, and you feel, you know, to some degree food, other things like exercise, managing stress, et cetera, help you get there, then this is a great ingredient for you to consider adding or replacing with other other foods that aren't as healthy. I'm I'm going to go a little bit out of sequence here, but you raised an interesting point. I think livestock farmers would also argue that the meat animals or dairy animals are raised in conditions that optimize their performance. And I, but I take I take your point on harvesting. I can see what the the point you're making. It raises the question: What does a cricket farm look like? Great question, Mike. And if you can back up for one sec, not to you know, kind of push back too hard or, or create an argument. But I think, oh, yeah. Feel free. Feel free. I was just asking I was just asking the question. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's great. And I think it's a very important conversation, you know, as we approach the next few decades. But I think there we have to delineate between the industrial meat complex and artisanal meat farmers. They're apples and oranges. And, and we need rudiments and, and cows grazing grass is really important and sheep grazing and chicken grazing. And, you know, it's important that we, you know, kind of get our greenlands back. We need those greenlands to help trap carbon. And, and there's a really important conversation to be had there. But I just want to make sure that we're delineating between, you know, artisanal farmers who have maybe a small field where they're raising a few cows or sheep or hog or whatever it may be to the industrial machine where these animals are raised indoors in unnatural environments. And they're packed close together. You know, chickens' beaks are cut off so they can't peck one another. So I would just take issue with there being a difference between the industrial meat complex and also the impact that fertilization has on fields around those complexes. Hog farming in the American Northeast 
creates tremendous health hazards for the communities that live close to them as they fertilize the fields with the hog waste. And I don't want to I don't want to go on too much about that, but leave it to say that. And, you know, this is not my opinion. It was the United Nations and the Food and Agriculture Organization that came out with a white paper in 2013. And the title was Edible Insects, Future Prospects for Food and Feed Security. And it was through empirical and objective research where they said that, you know, just in part because of the inefficiencies of the way most of those livestock convert food to feed, insects have to enter the food chain and the feed chain if we want to, you know, give the planet half a chance and, and people have a chance to get the food they need. Okay, point taken. I wasn't pushing back. Let, let's focus on uh, on insects. So what does a cricket farm look like? So basically what we do is we retrofit old chicken barns. So they're an average of 20,000 square foot, and they have usually two floors. And they fill, you know those uh, like cardboard boxes you get from the LCBO that you may put your wine in? Yes. So we call those cricket condos. There's actually companies who manufacture them specifically for cricket farming. And we lay them on the ground, and then there are food trays that go on top of them and water trays that go on top of those. And you're really trying to create surface area. And, you know, that's basically what it looks like. It has very, very little odor. Um, you could stand right outside the door and, and not know what's going on inside because the crickets, you know, the, have really no methane gas that they release. And the feces is called frass, F-R-A-S-S, which if we have time, we can talk about because it's an amazing organic fertilizer. We just got a study back from Trent University where they applied a certain dose looking for a certain response on hayfields. And at the peak dose response, they had a 400% increase in the yield of hay from this naturally occurring organic fertilizer. So there's absolutely no waste is my point. Um, it's amazing to have journalists come up and they're looking around and they're trying to figure out where the waste goes and where all the gross stuff is. But essentially, there's absolutely no waste. And, and we use, of course, the whole animal in our production. Yeah, it's interesting. I think I went to your website. You actually sell frass as well, don't you? We, we do, yes. Yeah, so from tip to toe and beyond, uh, that's creating revenue from this production, which is amazing. Yeah, I think it's commonly referred to as a circular economy. You know, I think ideally what we would love to see is you know, a, a field next to us where we can raise certain grains, we can fertilize those grains with the frass, we can use those grains to feed the insects, and then we can use those insects to feed livestock, pets, and people, and just continue to, to uh, you know, do that over and over again in the circular economy where absolutely nothing is wasted, and the land is used incredibly efficiently, and the output is incredibly efficient as well as a nutrient source, as a food source. So, so in their cricket condos with the food feed trays on top, what are crickets eating? Crickets will eat anything. And, and that's why it's really important to understand if you're considering trying crickets or a cricket powder, that you know where it's coming from, you know, you know whether it's transparent, what the safety certifications have that the farm should have, and how robust their transparency is in that regard. Our crickets eat four basic grains a little bit of a vitamin mix, and water. And, and that's essentially it. So what, what sort of grains? 
So again, they'll they'll eat any grains. Yeah. We've worked for almost twelve years perfecting this feed recipe. It's very similar, like to a chicken feed. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's it's somewhat proprietary, but needless to say, there there are four basic grains. We have two skews essentially, Mike. We have an organic skew, a non-GMO organic, mm-hmm. and what we call conventional. So we do have a USDA, Canadian, and European approved organic version of what we do, and then we have the conventional version as uh, the org- organic grains are far more expensive than the uh, yes. quote-unquote regular grains. Clearly. And so do crickets, I'm going to ask a production question, and again, if if it's too specific and too proprietary, feel free to, to say so, but do, do crickets convert well? You mean from feed conversion? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the whole kind of the most important piece around the issue of sustainability is that cows convert at about 10%. So you need, you know, 100 kilograms of the same grain to produce about 10 kilograms of meat protein. Whereas the crickets, you know, we're at about 75 and we think we can get close to 95% conversion. So when you think of cutting down rainforest or other arid land to grow grains to feed the livestock, because again, who doesn't love a good hamburger? It's just unfortunately the cows are such bad converters of the feed into food that it's just so inefficient and now that we have to feed so many people and protein is obviously a pretty important piece to a full nutrition profile which we're just running out of arid land i mean we're and, and we're running out of land to to grow the grains that we need for our livestock so that is the most appealing piece about the insects specifically crickets and mealworms and then eventually if we can you know recruit you know, post-consumer waste or even pre-consumer waste, dehydrate it, churn it into a powder, then we wouldn't even have to use grain. And maybe that kind of insect would be used in pet food and livestock feed, because I don't know that people are ready to eat food that was fed other people's waste, but I think they'd be ready to eat insects that were fed grains. I think that's just optics. There's obviously nothing wrong with post or pre-consumer waste that's treated, dehydrated and converted into powder. But um, And then, of course, you impact water use. So with uh, a great analogy I like to give is that if a family of four chose insect protein over traditional meat protein one day a week for a year, they would save the planet about 750,000 liters of water. And again, that just relates to feed conversion and other elements about livestock husbandry when you're comparing, say, crickets to beef or, or hog, for example. Okay. And, and, and lastly, it's the issue of methane gas. There's almost no methane produced by the crickets. And, and we know that, you know, the methane and the carbon is a, is a problem. Yeah. And so, so we, you talked about environmental benefits. You talked about the health benefits. On a cost basis, if, if someone is saying, well, I'd like to take up your challenge and eat one cricket meal a week, from a cost perspective, is it also per unit of protein a cost-effective choice? Yes, absolutely. And I think the other big piece, and this is what becomes so interesting around this conversation, is there's concentration and there's bioavailability. So a recent study compared five macro and micronutrients like iron, magnesium, manganese, zinc, and copper, I think. And they compared it in five species of insects versus red meat. And in crickets, for example, they found not only were the concentrations higher, but the bioavailability was much, much better, like 70 times better. 
So even if my product is a little bit more expensive than, say, regular meat, because the nutrients inside it are so much more bioavailable, you may only need half the amount or a quarter of the amount. So a lot of that information, we don't know. I mean, it's a brand new industry. Yeah. The research is just beginning to come out. But take, you know, B12, for example. Um, it's 30 times higher in, in an animal or heme B12 than, than red meat, for example. And the big difference is that plant proteins don't have B12 and meat proteins don't have fiber. So there is no complete protein like this that exists. Um, you would have to combine meat proteins with plant proteins to get the same nutritive, you know, value out of whatever you're eating. And cost, you know, Mike, again, it's a, it's a great conversation because which cost? It's cost to the consumer. There's a cost to the planet. There's a cost in transportation. But if you're looking for a super healthy, functional full food, and here's the other piece that is unprocessed. There is no processing. We simply rinse dehydrate through roasting and grind the cricket into a powder or leave it whole roasted. So any other form of protein, the vegetable proteins or or the whey proteins, you know, they're all super hyper-processed foods. Even our apples get a wax put on them so they're shinier in the grocery store. Our our powder as it comes is maybe, I can't think of another fully unprocessed food that you can buy. So value, you know, value is a very relative thing. But even even when, even though we're not at scale and even though we can industrialize and even though we can bring the price down and bring the value proposition up, still today, it's reasonably cost effective compared to it's, you know, whatever you would compare it to out there in the market. Perfect. So it raises a couple of final questions. You talked about powder versus whole crickets. If I was to say, Jared, I'm going to, to accept your challenge and eat one meal of crickets per week, what would that look like? So I think the cool thing, again, Mike, is that the powder has is really, that's what's changed the ballgame here around the conversation in entomophagy, because I understand, you know, that people may kind of be overwhelmed by putting a whole cricket in their mouth. I mean, these may be the same people that love lobster and shrimp and crab and oysters and mussels, but yet for some weird reason, a cricket's just too offside for them. But <laughs> And that was me in the beginning, too, by the way, because I eat all those other foods and I was grossed out. But the powder is so ubiquitous. So for me, what it would look like, to answer your question again, I would maybe put it in my smoothie in the morning with whatever I usually make my smoothie with. In the afternoon, maybe I'd put it in my chili. You know, maybe I have a vegetable chili that I, that I put a couple of scoops of the powder into. And in the evening, maybe it's in my dessert, in my slice of uh, banana bread that I'm having for dessert. And on and on and on, as, as creative as you can be, this, this ingredient as an additive can go into anything. Your pancakes, your pasta sauce, your pasta, salad dressings, you name it. And, and that's the powder. If you begin to feel the benefit and see the benefit, you know, and you, and you get a little braver and you want to try the whole roasted insects, for me, I use them as a salad topping. They make my salad crunchy and delicious. I, I exchange them for croutons. And if I make a wrap, you know, I'll put them in the wrap. If I have a soup, I'll put them in my soup. If I have breakfast in the morning, I'll throw them in my cereal. So the whole roasted crickets have a ton of, you know, creative ways they can be applied as well. I've seen some amazing chefs, one particular guy out of New York, Joseph Yoon, 
who's uh, cooking with insects, it's really like I call him an artist. I, I said his creation should be in the Louvre. I mean, they're gorgeous. And he'll combine really funky stuff like Japanese sushi cuisine with insects or really neat Italian cuisine with insects. And it's just like, adding it and, and, and finding ways that it can be complement your traditional dishes. And that's the wonderful thing for anybody anywhere in the world. We don't have to culturally appropriate or other. They can cook whatever they traditionally cook, you know, bannock up north or tortillas down south. And they can just add this powder to their bannock or add the powder to the tortillas and increase the nutritive density of what they're eating tremendously. And, and we have a wonderful project in Madagascar. My brother's just getting back today where we're feeding kids that were otherwise eating mud pies that they would mix with burnt ash. And we've set up a farm there. We're, we're growing their local insects, their local crickets. And we're feeding now about 250 kids a day. And we hope to repeat that across all of Africa. So that's a big uh, shout out to my brother, Darren, who's undertaken that project and uh, really amazing work that we're doing there. So the, the, the truth is, and, and I think I've tried your crackers and, and things like that. The truth is, this is something you incorporate in. You don't have a, if you will, a pile of crickets as, as a protein source like we would have seen in a traditional North American meal, but you, you incorporate the protein in other things that you would be eating anyway. Yes, but there are some uh, some exceptions. You know, we have our dry, whole-roasted crickets and mealworms that are seasoned, and we just finished a project with the Niagara Food and Wine Institute to, to do some new seasonings. So for myself, instead of when I'm sitting down at night and, and um, watching a show with my family, instead of getting a bag of chips, we'll get a bag of crickets or a bag of mealworms, honey mustard or barbecue, and we'll just snack on those. So they're healthier. And again, it's not just the protein, it's the fiber and the B12 and the iron and all those other macro and micronutrients. So yes, they absolutely can be eaten plain and whole. But I think the, the, the most of it will be used as an ingredient, not, you know, by itself. And partly to get over that uncertainty with respect to eating insects. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's easy, it's easier for a lot of people, you know, in the beginning. But it was the same for me with sushi, Mike. You know, the first time I ate sushi, I ate a California roll. I was so proud of myself <laughs> that I that, that that I had sushi 20 years ago, and that's not even sushi. And then slowly I tried the salmon, and then slowly I tried the tuna. And now I'll try some stuff I would never thought I would have yeah. tried 20 years ago. <laughs> I think that's true of, of, of a lot of different things uh, the the evolution of our of our openness to to different foods is is remarkable if you look back not only as we get older but as as we're exposed to a wider range of cultural choices a hundred percent i think globalization is a big part of that and uh, just to add you know the same thing happened to me with scotch and uh <laughs> I definitely <laughs> perhaps a little less on the positive on the nutrition side, but but I know exactly what you're saying, Jared. Yeah, fair enough. Mike. Fair enough. So I've learned a lot. I really appreciate you taking the time. And my last question is: What does the future look like for Intomo Farms? Well, I hope you know we're a very proudly Canadian story. We're the spearhead of this of this paradigm of this movement, if you will. Um, we travel the world. We export all over the world. Um, I lecture all over at different universities and conferences. Um, it's super, super exciting. And I hope that we remain 
you know, head of the field. Our products now available under the President's Choice label in Loblaws. Maple Leaf Food invested in our business last year. And I hope that we become a common name like sugar and salt and flour. It's a little, you know, glass jar on every kitchen counter where almost whatever you're cooking or baking, you're adding a little teaspoon of cricket powder the same way we do a pinch of salt, if you will. And everybody's lives are enhanced. Everybody's health is better. And so is the health of our wonderful planet that we should all care deeply about if we, you know, if we want to have a future that we can be excited about, Mike. You know, we've got to do something about our choices. Perfect. Great way to end. Thank you very much for the time. And, uh, and I learned a lot. Thanks, Jared. wrap up another episode of Food Focus, I thought I would just take a quick moment to thank Molly Gallant, who really does the heavy lifting in producing this podcast. She does all the hard work. I get to have the interesting discussions. Thank Zachary Von Massow for the original music. Before we go, I'd like to remind you again about our foodfocusguelph.ca website. Check out our blog, updated at least weekly. Check out previous versions of the podcast. Check out our trends report and get in touch with us. Food Focus at uoguelph.ca. We'd love to have you send us comments, ideas, suggestions, and just to interact and hear what you're thinking about. Finally, if you like the podcast, please take a moment to rate us wherever you get your podcast as this helps other people find us. So thanks again. Hope you enjoyed it and looking forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.